Greetings, everyone. Welcome to day three of the Feast of Tabernacles 2022. Hope you're having a great feast and having a good time fellowshipping with the brethren, or if you happen to be alone at home, you're not alone because God is with you, God the Father and Jesus Christ. And the Word of God is there, and the Spirit of God is there. And that's what's the important thing, because people can be in the midst of many, many people, yet be alone. So whatever our circumstances are, let's thank God for it and continue on with the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, this is day three for a dwelling place of God. Now, we saw that in the beginning, God was living with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And then, after they were expelled from the Garden, they couldn't go back in there. As we have seen, it's very likely that they would meet God at the east entrance. And there they would get instruction from God. Now then, as we saw, after the death of Abel by his brother Cain killing him, then we see that sin multiplies. But we also see that when sin takes place, first there is an exile. And that's what happened to Adam and Eve. They couldn't go back into the Garden of Eden. And then there was judgment. Judgment against them because of their sin. Judgment in the way that they would live and have children, in the way that the children would be, in the way... of the environment, that the environment was changed because of their sin, and there would be weeds and thorns and things like this that Adam would have to put up with. And he would have to work in the sweat of his brow, and all of this because they wanted to go their own way. Now then, let's fast forward to today. Today, we're seeing the same thing exactly as Jesus said. So let's pick it up here. In Matthew 24 and verse 32. Now learn a parable from the fig tree. When the branches are already become tender and put forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. In like manner also, when you see all of these things, that is, transpiring, know that it is near. Now, how near is near? Well, (laughs) maybe near to God, to us is a lot further than what is near to God. You know it is near even at the doors. Truly, truly, I say to you, this generation 
shall in no wise pass away until all of these things have taken place. Now, let's read the next verse. Because this is something that if people would take this for exactly what he said and live their lives accordingly, we wouldn't have a world full of sin like we have now. Okay? But God knows the beginning from the ending. Okay? Verse 35. The heaven and the earth shall perish, but my word shall never perish. See, but they won't perish until the new heaven and the new earth. But God's word extends beyond that. See? The word of God is sure. The word of God is true. The word of God is righteous. The word of God will always take place in the time that he is determined. Just like Jesus said here, verse 36. But concerning that day and the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And while Jesus was on the earth, he didn't know. The Father had put all of this under his authority. Now, verse 37 now, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. And it also shows in Luke 17, planting and building and life seemingly to go on normal. But it was normal Perversion, just like it is today. See? Every man doing what is right in his own eyes, every woman doing what is right in her own eyes, and the whole society then is given over to Satan the devil like it is right now. Until the day that Noah entered the ark. Huh. Now we'll look at that in just a little bit here. And they were not aware until the flood came and took them all away. So shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. All right. Jesus is going to return in his time and in his way. And he's going to set up the kingdom of God. And that's why we're here at the Feast of Tabernacles to learn how this is all going to take place and what we are going to do and how human beings will be learning how to live. It won't be like today, you see, because today, and remember this, and this is a truism, Whenever you get rid of the laws and commandments of God 
and you substitute them for your own words, for your own laws, for your own commandments, then you are making yourself a god. And when that happens to the whole society, everything comes unglued. Now let's come back here to Genesis, the fourth chapter, and let's see one little verse. And this verse is really pretty powerful when you bring it down to our day and add in the words that Jesus said, that as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Let's pick it up in verse 20 of Genesis 4. And Adabor Jabal, now this is the lineage from Cain, and he was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. And his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who corruptly play the lyre and the pipe. Corrupted music. See, not many people know that there are laws of music so you can have the proper understanding of music and the effect of music because God wants us to have music. He made us to sing. He made us to play instruments. He made us to praise him in song. Okay? But the corrupt music that we have today with the rock music, with the rap music, with the rebellious music, twists the mind and the emotions of people. And it twists it so much that they're unable to really think. People that have music pounded into their very being. And I know that's what I... I have experienced, and that was, I went to a movie with Dolores. I forget what the movie was, but anyway. I remember the music. It was so loud and so penetrating that it literally went through your whole body. And when you have that kind of music, you cannot think. You cannot make rational statements. And this is how there is so much perversion in the world today. And the perversion starts at the kiddie level with Walt Disney and others like it. And now today, they have TikTok. Thank you, China, for all the perversions you're bringing upon us. But now they know that TikTok in China is entirely different than TikTok in America. And TikTok in America is to pervert the minds of our children. So if you have children, don't let them have TikTok and don't let them have their electronic devices in their bedrooms alone. Because that can lead to trouble. Now then, 
We have the generations of Noah down through Enoch and down through Methuselah and down through to Noah. Okay? Now then, let's see what happens when the whole society is run amok, everyone doing what is right in his own eyes. See? Now this is for us to learn because it won't be that way during the millennium because we will be there to teach the people, to help the people, to watch over them, and to make sure that God's way is to them a blessing. And as we finished last time, that God is going to take away the human nature that is evil and replace it with something that is good, okay, called a mind of flesh and a heart of flesh. Okay? Interesting. What do most people have today? Well, let's look at it. Genesis 6 and verse 5. Most people today have degrees of the mind of Satan the devil. And let's see what happens when that occurs. And while you're at it, analyze the news. Analyze what is given on television. Analyze all the ads. Every single one of them are an indoctrination to enter into your mind for you to become part of this world society. And God has called us out of it. That's why we're here keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. Now here is what God saw. What do you think God is seeing today? Well, what did Jesus say it would be like? Like it was in the days of Noah. And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and every, now circle that, every, that means each and every one, imagination, whatever's going on in your mind, of the thoughts of his heart, was only evil continually. Now, is that not what we have today? Is that not what we have on television? See? And remember this. Remember this. No one can ever make sin righteous. It's impossible. And where do we find that today but in the churches? Okay. Now, so bad it was. Verse 6, And the Lord repented that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart to see the power that he gave to man and woman 
so that they would be able to worship him and so that they would be able to do great things was turned over to Satan, the devil. And it got so evil that God was completely upset about it. Okay? So here's what he had to do. And this is coming on this society, not, not with a flood like it was with Noah, but destruction is coming. We see it progressively. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the crawling thing, the fowl of the earth, for I have repented that I have made them. Now here's another great lesson of the Bible. One man can change everything. And that's important to realize. And we will see that again a little later. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Oh, what do you know about that? There's grace in the Old Testament. Huh. Now then, verse 11. Now the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, and all flesh had corrupted its way upon the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now, we see that afterwards, God promised not to do it again with the flood. But when it gets to the point that it is so corrupt, it must be destroyed. That's why you have the rise and fall of nations, empires, states, provinces, and now we're seeing it in cities in America. They are so perverse and so corrupt that people who were what we would call normal people in the society move out of there and let all of the wicked have it alone and it completely tears it down. See? So that's why God has called us to learn those lessons. All right? Now let's also see something that is true. Okay? Come to Mark 7. We've been there many times, but let's go there. Because you see, once the heart and mind of a human being becomes perverted and evil and wretched, they can think of nothing but evil all the time. Now notice what Jesus said, verse 21. For from within. Now this is why there's repentance and forgiveness 
and baptism and the receiving of the Holy Spirit and the renewing of the mind. Because here is what it is cut off from God. For from within, out of the heart of men, go forth evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, and murders. Okay? Now learn something true. Right. Whenever you leave the true God and his laws and his commandments, you then join the ranks of Satan the devil. And then, in short generations, the whole society becomes perverse. This is what we see in the world today. See? All of this magnified. See? Continuing thefts, covetousness, wickedness, guile, licentiousness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these evil go forth from within and defile the man. Look at it today. Look how much homosexuality there is. Look at how much transgender there is. Trying to change the gender of children without the permission of the parents. If that is not evil, I don't know what is. And they ruin and destroy the lives of those children for their own sexual perversion. And that's just the way that it is today. Okay? Now then, Let's come back. We'll look what happened after the flood. Let's come to Genesis, the eighth chapter. Now, after the flood, they had a chance to start again. They had a chance to do it right. They had a chance to obey the commandments of God. But did they do it? No. Even the grandson of Noah committed on Noah himself when he was sleeping a perverted sex act. So it couldn't even go one generation without it referring back to what it was before the flood. Now, God promised he would never do a flood again to destroy the earth. And he gave the rainbow as a sign. Okay? Now then, God blessed everything after the flood, and God withdrew himself from living on the earth, and now operated from heaven down to the earth. God gave the promise. 
While the earth remains seed time, harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. That's true. That's happened all the way down, right? Okay. Chapter 9. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth, on every bird of the air, upon all that moves on the earth, and on all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Same thing that he gave to Adam and Eve, right? Okay. And so then, everything was good for a while. And then we come to chapter 10. Now, Noah lived for 350 years after that. So when we come to chapter 10 and what took place here and what happened here, this is something, okay? Let's come to verse 8, chapter 10. And Cush begat Nimrod. Now, if you don't have the book, The Two Babylons by Alexander Hislop, you need to get that book and you need to read it. Okay? Because this tells the history of the world from that time, 350 years later, beginning with Nimrod. Okay? Cush begat Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter against the Lord. Therefore it is, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter against the Lord. And he was a powerful man and a great hunter. And he gathered people together and he built cities. See? Beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Ekrod and Akkad and Kalna in the land of Shinar. And then he went and built Nineveh and other cities. Okay? And his wife's name was Semiramis. She became the original queen of heaven. Now, we've got a very interesting book. And it is a book that preserves the history of the world after the flood in artwork. And how that the evil ones took over and they pushed back against Shem and Japheth and got rid of the children who obeyed God. So Shem and Japheth had to live separately from where the Cushites were. All right? Now then. Everything was starting to go that way again like it was before the flood. All right? Now let's come to chapter 11 and let's see what happened. And just like today, where do we want to go? Oh, let's go to Mars. Really? 
How are you going to live there? Well, we'll figure out some way. Okay. So here, chapter 11. Let's read it, verse 1. The whole earth was the one language and one speech, and it came to pass that as they were migrating toward the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build a city and a tower with its top reaching into the heavens. Now, does this mean that they were figuring out how to get out in space? Could be. Lest we be scattered upon the face of the whole earth. Because they knew that God was going to place each in their own part of the earth. Okay? And the fledgling nations of people would have their own nations. Okay? Well, they didn't want that. So they wanted to rebel. So here they are rebelling again against God. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men had built. And the Lord said, Behold, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Now, nothing which they have imagined to do will be restrained from them. And remember the days of Noah after the flood, continued 350 years. Come, let us go down and there confound their language so that they can't understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from that place upon the face of all the earth and they Quit building the city. Therefore, the name of the city was called Babel because the Lord confused the language of all the earth there. Now stop and think of this. God made all languages. Okay? Hebrew is not a sacred language. It is a human language that the Hebrews speak. And they have the Bible written, the Old Testament, in the Hebrew language. But it's not a sacred language that carries over to the New Testament. See? And there's plenty of proof in the New Testament to show that sacred names should not be in the New Testament. The reason is, number one, all the apostles knew Hebrew and could write it. The apostle Paul did, but did he put any sacred names in his 14 epistles? No, he did not. Did any of the other apostles put sacred names in what they wrote? James, Peter, John and Jude, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. 
Did they? No. And on the day of Pentecost, in Acts' the second chapter, all of them heard the apostles speak in the different languages, and they said, we heard them speak of the wonderful things of God in our own language. So they were the language that came out inspired of the Holy Spirit for the people to hear, and the name of God that they heard was in the language that they were born in. Okay? little sidebar. Verse 9, Therefore the name of the place is Babel, because God confused the language of all the earth there, and from there God scattered them abroad upon the face of, of all the earth. Now then, the genealogy in the rest of chapter 10 comes down to Abraham. Now, Abraham, we will see, is the beginning of what all the rest of the Bible will be based upon. And this will extend into the millennium, into the time that we are teaching the people God's way, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all of the patriarchs and all of the prophets will all be there along with all of us. And we're going to teach the people God's way. And God at that time will restore the language to the people that he wants. So all will speak the same language. Now we don't know what that will be. And it probably will not be Hebrew. But something entirely different. Now let's come down to chapter 12. And here we come to Abraham. And let's see that this is the key, and for us to understand it, okay? Now when we come to the calling of Abraham, everything else in the rest of the Bible flows from here, okay? And this is important to understand. Because you see, God will not dwell with anyone who disobeys him. We see that beginning Adam and Eve and all the way down to here. And that goes all the way down into our day and on into the millennium and on into the second resurrection. See? That's the whole lesson. Will you love God? Will you obey him? Will you listen to him? See? And so this is why we're here at the Feast of Tabernacles, so that we can understand that in order for us, when we enter the kingdom of God, that we're going to help all of the other people 
learn about God, we have got to understand ourselves, human nature, what it's all about, and God's way that he wants us to live. See? So let's read the calling of Abraham. And we will see this is the same requirement as the New Testament. Verse 1, chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, Get you out of your country and from your kindred, from your father's house, into a land that I will show you. Okay? And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Okay? Now, you go clear back to what Adam and Eve had. God blessed them. And if they would have obeyed, the whole thing, the way the earth has turned out, would be different. But they didn't. Then after that, who obeyed God? Well, Seth and Enoch and Noah. Only three. Okay? After the flood, the only one to obey God besides Noah was Abraham. And here's the requirement. God said he would bless him, all right? And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those that bless you and curse the ones that curse you. And in you, now notice what it says, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families. Now you think about down through history how many people that's going to be. But because of one man, Abraham. So here's what we see. Then Abraham departed for, even as the Lord had spoken to him. Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed Harod. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all the substance that they had gathered and the people that they had gained in Haran, and they went forth into the land of Canaan, and they came into the land of Canaan. Okay? That's something. Okay? Now then, ten years later, chapter 15, this was when Abraham was 85 years old. Chapter 15. And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, for I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Okay? Same way with us. God is your shield and exceeding great reward. Now, Abram, at 85... 
and having no children, but trusting God and going wherever he's led him to go. So Abram said, Lord God, what would you give me since I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. So he could have made legally Eleazar his heir. But God said, no. Okay. Verse 4. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man shall not be your heir, but he shall that shall come forth out of your own loins shall be your heir. Now, God did it this way to show the importance of it. See? And how that God would keep his word in his time. Same way with us. Now, we're told in Galatians 3 that if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So this goes clear back to Genesis 12. Now let's go forward. And verse 5, okay, she said you're going to have a son, okay, an heir. From you. And he brought him outside and said, Look now toward the heavens and number the stars if you're able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your seed be. Now, that's quite a statement. You've seen the recent pictures of the James Hubble telescope pictures, and it's awesome. Now, Abraham didn't see any of those. But when God said, look at the stars, he included all of them. Now that's quite a promise. Be as the stars. And from this, we get two seed. One, physical seed, which would be Isaac. And number two, the spiritual seed, Jesus Christ. And this is why a little sidebar, you have all of the genealogies in the Old Testament so that this measures all of the generations down to the Christ. And the last book of the Old Testament is First and Second Chronicles. And they have all the genealogies. So when the New Testament begins, in the book of Matthew, it starts out with the genealogies of Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of David. Amazing to show that God kept his promise, and the legal descendancy down to the Christ. And they're both contained right here in chapter 15. Okay. So Abraham believed him, 
had to sacrifice and so forth. Then we come to chapter 17. And here now, remember in chapter 12, he was 85. Okay. Now, 14 years later, he was 99. And God still had not given him a physical heir. Now, God was ready to do it. So, chapter 17. And when Abram was ninety and nine years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, Now, see, Lord appeared personally like a human being to Abram. And he also appeared in vision. Okay? So he said, now he's going to fulfill the promise. And this is really something when you put it all together. Okay? And he said, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be perfect. Now that's a New Testament requirement for us, is it not? Yes, indeed. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply your seed exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. Wow. Neither shall your name any more be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Now think about this for just a minute. God speaks of the things that are not as though they are. See? Because it wasn't till a year later that Isaac was born. And it was one son. Huh. Think on that. That's why when we look at the promises of God and what he tells us he's going to do, we have to understand that they're going to come in the way that God determines and not in the way that we think. And also we'll learn another lesson that they come in a greater way and a greater magnitude than we suppose. So let's go ahead and take a break, and we'll come back in 15. Now let's continue on with Abraham. Now let's understand something else about how God looks at things. He looks at things as if they're already done because he knows what he's going to do. And so sometimes, because it doesn't look like that God is keeping his word, and of course, after 14 years, someone could say, well, God hasn't kept his word. But, his timetable is always different than ours. Now, 
Let's see how he expands this. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful. But he only had one son. Never forget that. See? And I will make many nations of you, and kings shall come from you down through generations. But it's from Abraham. Does that give you a little better understanding of Galatians 3.29? That if you're Christ, you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise? Yes, it does. Okay. Now, verse 7. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your seed after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant. So this means down through Christ, down through the return of Christ, the resurrection of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the saints, and all the patriarchs, everybody in the, in the first resurrection, okay? And most of them will because of what God did for Abraham. Now that's something. And this is what we need to understand and realize. That the kingdom of God is coming and God is going to bring it and Christ is going to return and set up the government and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And right next to him will be Abraham. So let's continue on here and see how this expands. Okay. For an everlasting covenant between me and you and your seed after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to you and to your seed after you. And I will give the land to you in which you are a sojourner and to your seed after you all the land of Canaan for an everlasting inheritance and I will be their God. Now let's come to Romans, the fourth chapter, and see what it says. Not only the father of many nations, but listen to what it says here. Verse 12, referring to Abraham. And that he might become a father of the circumcision, not only to those who are of the circumcision only, but also to those who walk in the footsteps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had during his uncircumcision. That is, he believed God. Okay. Now notice verse 13. Here is the promise. For the promise to Abraham and to his seed, that he should be heir of the world. So you see, when God gives a promise of a blessing, it goes way beyond what we think. The world was not given through law. Rather, it was through the righteousness of faith. Because if those of the law be heirs, 
then faith is made void and the promise is made of no effect. For the law works out wrath because where no law is, there's no transgression. For this reason, it is of faith. Now, it goes over to us. Are we going to be in the kingdom of God? And is that not the greatest kingdom that it's going to be? And is not Abraham the one who's the progenitor of all of that for all who enter into it? Yes. Okay. For this reason, it is of faith in order that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be certain to all the seed not to the one who is of the law only, but also to the one who is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all. Okay? And then he quotes verse 17, exactly as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations before God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls the things that are not as though they are. Now notice, this is the kind of faith, this is the kind of hope that we need to have. And we are the ones, the recipients of it, to bring it into the world at the return of Jesus Christ. And then at that time we will see Christ and all the saints will be dwelling on the earth. Now that's quite a thing, okay? So we need to think, way much more broadly than we've ever thought and much more deeply about what God has promised than we have even considered because this is tremendous, see? And so then he was fully persuaded that what God had promised he is able to give. We find that down here. Verse 19, because sometimes there are circumstances that come along that we don't trust in the promises of God the way that we should or hope in the promises of God the way that we should because our circumstances are the exact opposite. Well, that's what it was with Abraham, okay? He went 25 years without a child. From 75 to 100. Now, how long have we been waiting? All right? That's why we need to keep believing. Okay? Verse 19. And he, not being weak in faith, considered not his own body, already having become dead, being about 100 years old, nor did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. And he did not doubt the promise of God through unbelief. He was overwhelmed by it, but he didn't doubt it. Rather, he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, for he was fully persuaded. Now, this is what we need to understand here, and especially during the Feast of Tabernacles. What God has promised with the coming kingdom of God. Are we fully persuaded he is going to do it? Doesn't matter what the time frame is. 
because the time frame is in the hands of God. And it doesn't matter what the circumstances may look like because God can change all of that in an instant. Okay? But was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, for he was fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able or had the power to do. As a result, it was imputed to him for righteousness, but it was not written for our sakes alone that it is imputed to him. Rather, it was written for our own sakes to whom it shall be imputed to those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offenses and was raised for our justification. Okay? So you see how all of these things come back to the New Testament. So it's important for us to understand. So back here to Genesis 17. Here is where he gave the promise for the physical nations. Verse 9, Genesis 17. And God said to Abraham, And you shall keep my covenant, you and your seed after you, in their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your seed after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Now that's for the physical lineage and for the physical lands and for the physical children. Okay? All the males. And you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. See? So circumcision is not of the Jews. As Jesus said, it's of the fathers. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, yes. Here's what God told him in verse 15 concerning his own physical seed. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai. Her name shall be Sarah. And I will bless her and give her a son also of her. Yes, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations Kings of people shall be from her. See? Now, here's Abraham, 99 years old. He had been walking now for 24 years, believing God, following his instructions. Okay? So, here's how he reacted to that at that age. Remember, he would be 100 and his wife would be 90. Okay, And Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear? Not only that, he was born and she nursed him for three years. Okay? 
because God does things that for human beings are impossible. See? And this is what we need to know. Let's continue. Verse 18. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son indeed, and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And then he said, as for Ishmael, I've heard you, I won't bless him. Okay? Now, come clear over here to Genesis, Genesis 18. Okay? Now, this is something, too. See, this is why we need to understand the things in the Old Testament. Because all the promises and all the covenants are there. And the new covenant in the New Testament just expanded out. And the return of Christ expands it out. And after everything is all done, it expands it out to new heaven and new earth. You see? From a little seed that is nothing that you cannot seed, that you cannot see, everything flows from this. Okay? So chapter 18, verse 1, And the Lord appeared to him in the plains of Mamre, and he, Abraham, sat in the door in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself down toward the ground. And he said, My Lord, if now I found favor in your sight, do not pass away, I pray you, from your servant. Let a little water, I pray, be brought, and wash your feet, and rest under the tree. And I will bring a bite of bread, and will comfort your hearts, and after that you may pass on, for this is why you have come to your servant. And they said, Do so as you have said. So he went, Tent, told Sarah, make ready quickly, three measures of fine flour, knead it, make cakes. And Abraham ran out to the herd, brought a calf, tender and good, and he gave it to a young man, and he hurried and, and dressed it, and he took the butter and the milk and the calf. Interesting little sidebar, Jews say you can't have meat and, and milk and butter together. Ha, huh. God did. Abraham did, right? Yes. And the calf which he dressed and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tent, and they ate. And they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to to the time of life, and lo, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And when Sarah heard it at the tent door, which was behind him, 
Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age, and it ceased to be with, with Sarah as the manner of women. And Sarah laughed within herself. Okay? Yes, indeed. After I have become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I, who am old, truly bear a child? Is anything too hard for the Lord? All right? Great lesson. No, nothing is too hard for the Lord. The question is, what is God's timetable? Now, it may be different from what we perceive, okay, as it was here. At the time appointed, I will return again according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. All right. So then after that, we have the account of Sodom and Gomorrah. And then we have in chapter 21, when Isaac was born. See? Now then. When we look at what God is doing for us and what God is doing to us and how it should be, God will fulfill it. It doesn't matter how old we get. It doesn't matter how weak we become. It doesn't matter if we die and are buried. God's will and purpose is going to be fulfilled in the life of every single one. And the ultimate purpose is that God will have a dwelling place on earth. Now here in all of this, God himself had no place to live on the earth. He would go back to heaven and come back to the earth and make whatever trips he had to make, okay? Now, chapter 21, verse 1. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had spoken, kept his word and promise. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in her old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Okay? This is that time. Now, we look at the return of Christ. It's going to be at the set time. We look at the establishment of the kingdom of God on the earth. It will be at its set time. See? In spite of the impossibilities that make it look like it isn't going to be. Verse 3, and Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bare to him, was born to him, rather, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac 
when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me to laugh so that all who hear will laugh with me, not at her. Okay. And she said, what could have been said to Abraham that Sarah would have, would suckle children? For I have borne a son to him in his old age. Okay. Then it talks about how the child grew and so forth. Now then, let's come to chapter 22. Because here is a test of faith. And every one of us are going to have a test of faith. I want you to understand, see if we can grasp, how much did Abraham and Sarah love Isaac? Okay? The only son. And their old age. And the requirement of what God was going to do in chapter 22 was a precursor of what God himself would do with his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Now, we know that Genesis 15 happened on a Passover, and it's very likely that Genesis 22 happened on a Passover. Okay? Now, we know the account of it. God came to Abraham and said, take your son and you go to one of the mountains of Moriah that I will show you. And there, offer your son as a burnt offering. And so, got everything ready, took a three-day journey, and he saw the mountain. And he told the young man that was with him, helping to bring the wood and the donkey and so forth. And Isaac was there with him. And he, he told them, wait here until Isaac and I go make an offering to God. See? Now, what was in Abraham's mind? We don't know because we're not told here, but we're told in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, He was willing to do it because he believed God and God said to do it and God had a reason for doing it to say, offer your son for a burnt offering. Now that's a hard thing to take after having waited all those years for a son and then at a hundred and now probably a hundred and how shall we say 15 years? Okay, because the best we can figure that Isaac was about 15 years old at this point. So Abraham took the wood, placed it on Isaac, who was a type of Christ. And that was a type of Christ carrying his own cross. And they went up on the mountain. Okay. Now, I don't know if this was the mountain where Christ was crucified. And he was crucified on the Mount of Olives. 
Could be. We don't know. So, in going up there, Abraham took the pot of coals, Isaac was carrying the wood, and Isaac asked a question, my father, I see the fire, and I see the wood, but where is the offering that we're going to offer? And what did Abraham say? My son, God will provide. See, can we have that kind of faith? We're going to face a lot of difficulties. God will provide. But we've got to trust God. And we have got to use our common sense and full belief that exactly as Abraham, what God has promised, he is able to do. Okay? Now, they got up there. Abraham made the altar. He took Isaac, his son, bound him, laid him on the altar, and was ready to cut his throat. And we're told in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, that he was doing this because he knew that God could raise him from the dead. Because he received him through procreation from his own dead body and the dead body of Sarah that is dead sexually. So he had the faith. He offered Isaac, and as we know, here is the test, see? And all of us will have a test like this. We don't know how it will come about. We don't know what the circumstances will be. This is why we need to always be ready. Stay close to God in prayer and study and everything that we do. Okay? Genesis 22 and verse 10. Verse 10. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called to him out of the heavens and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. I bet he was glad to hear that. <laughs> and he said, do not lay your hand upon the lad, nor do anything to him. Now listen to this. For now I know that you fear God seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Do we love God and fear God that much? Are we ready? We're going to face a lot of circumstances. Okay. And so then Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the ram caught in a thicket, and I just... There are two ways it would come. The ram came there and got caught in the thicket while they were preparing to offer Isaac. Or, after the angel calling out, don't do anything to your son, now I know you fear God, that God supernaturally created a ram right there 
for this sacrifice. Now think about that. Okay. So I took and offered him for a burnt offering. Okay. Now verse 15, and we will finish here. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself. Okay, let's understand something. God is so interested in us and us being in the kingdom of God and us to take over the world with all the other saints and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and everything together to rule the world. Okay? So that's something we need to really, really understand. By myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, that in blessing I will bless you and in multiplying I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. That's all of the spiritual sons of God. And that's why it's important that today we have these awesome pictures of the universe and we can see them and be inspired of what God has for us. And he's done that for us. And to know that everything on the earth and during the millennium is it's just the finality of everything on the earth. And then we have New Jerusalem and all of the universe. That's something. Okay? The stars of heaven and the sand which is upon the seashore, the physical seed through Jacob and the 12 sons and all the tribes of Israel. And your seed shall possess the gate of his enemy and in your seed, the same promise, because God gave it to Abraham, and he passes it right on to Isaac. Verse 18. And in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. That's what we're going to teach all the people during the millennium. And it's important that we learn these lessons. And we need to ask ourselves the same thing. Do we obey the voice of God? Do we do the things that God really wants? Are we really deeply engaged in our lives with God and what he's doing and fellowshipping with each other? and loving each other, and loving God, and anticipating the kingdom. That's why we keep the Feast of Tabernacles, see? And all of these things are part of it. So it's good that we go back and see it, and not remove ourselves from it, and then think that we have something different and separate. That's not so. So let's rejoice in the goodness of God, Rejoice in his blessings. Rejoice in this Feast of Tabernacles. And we will call it a day for today. And we will see you tomorrow.
on day four.